Hello, this is Cody Sturge with the pastor at Joy Baptist Church, and you're listening to Keep Thy Heart Daily. This is a radio ministry, podcast ministry of the Chilhowee Baptist Church. We're thankful that you've tuned in today as we're preaching through God's Word. We're praying God's Word will speak to your heart as it's preached and taught from the pulpit of the Chilhowee Baptist Church. Chapter number two of the book of Esther, uh, the more heartbreaking this scene is. Now, some folks want to present this Bible story as some kind of glorified beauty pageant where the beautiful princess, prince of a king picks the most beautiful girl in the land and they live happily ever after. And I wish in my heart that that were the case. But I want you to know that chapter 2 of the book of Esther, it plunges into the depths of depravity and wickedness and sinfulness. And it is a gut-wrenching, devastating situation for a whole lot of innocent, poor young girls. I hate the deeds of Esther chapter number 2. But we know that God's given it, and God gives us some instruction, and God gives us some clarity, and there's some things we can learn. I'll have you know, in this depraved, sin-cursed world in which we live, We need to rest in the fact that God is able to rule and overrule the most wicked of devices that the devil has conjured up. When I read this passage of Scripture, my heart breaks for Esther and all those young virgins that are represented in this chapter of Scripture. But my heart takes courage and takes hope praises the ability of God to take the things that the devil has intended to destroy the whole world and turn them on on their heads and do good through the most awful things that the devil has dreamed of and sin has caused. When we look into the heart and the life of Mordecai and Esther, we see some folks, some broken people, some less than committed Christian type people that God, in a mighty way, is going to raise up to do his eternal work. And God, in his perfect foreknowledge, and God, in his perfect grace, and God, in his perfect knowledge and sovereignty, is going to prove himself faithful to use less than perfect instruments. I don't want to take away from your view of Esther because when we bring this passage of Scripture to its conclusion and climax, we watch God use Mordecai and Esther in a mighty way. But I don't also want to skip over the truths and the facts that God lays out in his word. And I don't want to glorify something that doesn't need to be glorified I want to bring out the truth of God's word. You see, God's called us not to preach our stories that motivate. God has called us to preach the word that is eternal and right. And we come to the story, let's just look and see some things about this situation. And we've seen in chapters, chapter number one, the first four verses of chapter number two, that Ahasuerus is one bad dude and he's made some foolish decisions. He's being counseled by some foolish people and doing some things that his totally motivated by his flesh. There's no principle, there's no record, there's no connection to God, there's no spiritual qualities at all to the first chapter of the book of Esther. And in chapter number two, it doesn't get much better. 
But we see some things about these folks we need to know. Verse 5. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. So we begin to know a little bit about Mordecai. The number one thing is Mordecai is a Jew. He's a Jew living in a Gentile land. Verse number 6. The Bible says about Mordecai, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. So here we have Mr. Mordecai, and we understand a little bit about Mordecai's situation. When Nebuchadnezzar had led and had captured and carried the Jews away into uh and made slaves out of certain of them, Mordecai was the product of that. When you think of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, who are some main characters that you think about in your Old Testament? How about this one? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, or otherwise known as uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, I like to use their Jewish names, the God-given names with godly meanings, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And old Daniel. You remember them? Now, this is an interesting point that we must make when we look and consider what's going on here. Why do we preach and praise and look at Daniel and say, wow, what a guy. And look at Hanani, Mishael, and Azra. I'll tell you, because they would not bend. They would not bow. They would not break. That's what the old song says. When Daniel and those Hebrew boys were brought in to be wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, What did Daniel do when he was given a portion of the king's meat and said, told to eat? Daniel says, "Mm -mm, I will not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. Why did he do that? Because he was a Jew. And the Jewish law had forbidden him from taking and eating unclean things. But Mordecai was a Jew. Esther was a Jew. But somehow, you can see it twice here, verse number 10, Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Again, in verse number 20, Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. Let me tell you something. Mordecai and Esther have hidden from the general public that they are Jews. Let me tell you something else. You can't hide a real Jew. You see, the Jewish faith, it showed up on your outside as much as it did on your inside. And you didn't eat things you weren't supposed to eat. You didn't go places you weren't supposed to go. You didn't do things on certain days as the law had commanded. And if you were a faithful Jewish person, you you could not possibly blend into society and become the queen of And have kept the law. You see, when we look at Mordecai and Esther, we can't help but know that these two folks had become so accustomed to the world in which they lived that they weren't even noticeable or you couldn't acknowledge them as Jews. Finally, finally, after Mordecai later in the book says to Esther, hey, who can tell? That for such a time as this, God's going to use you to save his people. We don't, they don't even tell or let anybody know that they're Jews until that time. 
Someone said that Esther and Mordecai, at best, are immoral hip, uh, heroes in the Old Testament. Now, I don't want to paint a bad picture. As a matter of fact, the more I think about this, and alar- it's a bit alarming to first think about Esther because in my mind, I've got this beautiful picture of Esther and Esther's never done anything wrong. She's the most pure and awesome person that's ever lived. And Mordecai is this wise, awesome, wise guy that never makes a mistake in his whole life. And so as I study chapter number two and I begin to put the pieces together and consider the things that Esther and Mordecai are allowing in their lives and the things that they've dismissed from their Jewish faith, I'm beginning to think, oh, wow. These folks are at best, by the way, we would describe them nominal Christians. If someone were to come along and say, are you a Jew? They'd be like, yeah. Are you a Jew? Do you keep the Sabbath? You know. Eh. I mean, this is 2023. How about bacon? Hmm. Yeah, we sleep some every now and then. And so we have Esther and Mordecai. And so we've got these guys, and they're Jews, but nobody knows it. And unlike Daniel who said no. Unlike Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah, who would not bow, these folks, they didn't have that rock-ribbed conviction and stance like Dan, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. But I want to let you know something. God is going to use them in a mighty way, even though they come from a mixed past. Now, don't you get me wrong. I'm not telling you all this so that you can say, ha, 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 I can live like the devil and God will still use me. Now, I think that there'll come a time in Esther and Mordecai's life where they look back and say, wow, we really should have trusted God and lived for God and served God back then. But isn't it amazing how God's grace is sufficient to overcome our checkered and tainted past and use us anyway? I like it. I'm thankful for it. Let's keep looking. What else about these folks? At this moment in, in time, the Bible says in verse 7, that he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. What happened? Who was Esther? She was an orphan. And this is an interesting little picture here. Uh, who was Mordecai to Esther? Uh, Esther was Mordecai's uncle's daughter. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uncle's daughter, like a first cousin. I was just thinking in our Sturgill family, it'd be like me having the opportunity to, to raise and foster and care for like Chloe. My cousin Chloe. And so God gave Mordecai an unusual, terrible situation. At this time, being an orphan was all, today being an orphan is a difficult, orphan is a difficult thing. She was an orphan. Now, God is going to work through an unusual home life. God is going to work through a tragedy in childhood. God is going to bless, and God is going to use some things that he gave her. Look what else the Bible says about Mordecai. I'm sorry, about Esther, verse 7. And the maid was fair and beautiful. How did God make Esther? Beautiful, fair and beautiful. 
Now, I want to park here for just a minute. Now, when we come to Esther chapter 2, we've got to try to understand, God, why did you give us this? Why did you give us this text? Why did you give us this story? And one of the main things that we read and find out in the book of Esther is that God is working behind the scenes. And God is working in the details of our lives. And God has a purpose and a plan. Do you think it was a surprise to God that the day that Esther was born, that Esther was a gorgeous baby? Do you think it was a surprise to God that as Esther became a young woman, that she was a beautiful, and no, it was no surprise to God at all, because God was going to use that attribute in her life to do an eternal work. Now, I want to stop there just a minute. If you are less than gorgeous... I feel your pain. But in all sincerity, do you think that it's a surprise to God your facial features, your genetics, your shortness, your tallness, your skinniness, your not-so-skinniness? Do you think that's a surprise? No. Now, that doesn't mean we should just let ourselves go. We should be reasonable and take good care of the temple that God has given us. But I want you to know something. God has designed you the way he designed you for a very specific purpose. And all of God's people need to get to the place where we thank God for making us the way he made us. For giving us the looks that we have, the genetics that we have, giving us the place in life that we have because God wants to use you how you are, where you are to do his work in a mighty way. And it just so happened for Esther that God was going to use her beauty. But I want you to think about another thing with me. There's a lot of folks that were lined up to be one of King Ahasuerus' fair virgins that would become concubines after one night with the sleazeball. Who they felt like their greatest curse in life was the beauty that was on their face. God made us the way that he made us. And we should praise him. Thank him for it. He's going to use you the way you are. Thank you for listening today to Keep Thy Heart Daily. This is a ministry of faith of the Chilhowee Baptist Church. For more Bible preaching, visit us at chilhoweebaptistchurch.com or download our app wherever you get your apps, Chilhowee Baptist Church. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day.